Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grunnels of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, high above Alaskan, Alaska Airlines Field. We're on the 50-yard line in the visiting coaches box where Washington fell to UCLA 24-17 in front of an announced crowd of 62,266, which means there was a lot of no-shows here today. Uh, length of game was three hours and four minutes. Temperature at kickoff was 65 and cloudy. Kind of a pleasant evening at Husky Stadium. Started to get windy down there for a little bit. I don't know if you guys notice that up here. But, well, you can uh, tell on the field goal attempt. Yeah. yeah you it know, got, it was well short because the wind was coming out of the east. Yeah, it got real windy. But, uh, you know, I hate to say it, guys, but I'm struggling to find anything this team is good at right now. They're just not a very good football team. Well, John Wilner tweeted out that Washington didn't look like a team that was coming off a bye week, and it's hard to argue with that. There wasn't anything that looked substantially better. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they necessarily regressed. I think UCLA is very Jekyll and Hyde. I think they can be very good, but I also think they can, they can be really bad, especially on defense. But I didn't see anything today from Washington that made UCLA really sweat especially turnovers. I mean, turnovers was a huge part of this game and, and everything else. I mean, I'm just looking down and, you know, the positions, offensive line, underperforming, not getting much from the running backs, not getting much wow. from the quarterbacks. Wide receivers, when they get the ball, can do a few things. Uh, defensive line, linebackers, about the only thing that's good on this team right now is Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. Other than that, I'm just not seeing a lot to well, get excited about. Don't forget about. about Race Porter. Oh, three, yeah. three punts, 51-yard yeah. Point, almost 52-yard average, had a 65-yarder. That was a that was a nice punt. And, you know, I know people, you know, when Richard Newton was getting a bulk of the carries and then Cam Davis was getting a bulk of the carries, and a, lot, a lot of fans were wondering why Sean McGrew wasn't getting more carries. And now Sean McGrew's getting the bulk of the carries, and I'm wondering why Kamari Pleasant isn't getting more touches. He seems to make plays every time he gets in. I, I think he's better in a support role. I don't think he'd be a guy that you want to feature very much. And to be honest with you, I think Sean McGrew might be that guy too. They might just have a bunch of guys who are better complementary backs than than regular starters because I just haven't seen a guy who's going to make someone miss. I mean, Sean McGrew can squeeze through some holes and some creases here and there, but you watch him and anytime somebody's in that hole in that gap that he's trying to go through, he goes backwards. He does not go forwards. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's – Kim, you said that you don't think they've improved, and Chris, you did too. I, I think Washington is a better team than they were when they started the season. I think this version of Washington would be able to give Michigan a little bit better game. I think they would have beat uh, – I think they would have beat uh, Montana. Um, but, the, you know, right now Washington is – one and or they've only they're one and three in one score games, and 
they've got to figure out a way to come back and win those games because Montana game was very winnable. Oregon State game, very winnable. This game, very winnable, and they weren't able to pull it out. And listening to Trent McDuffie and, and Kamari Pleasant after the game, you know, finishing was key. I mean, they, you know, clearly they didn't finish. And I told you guys and I told Scott during the game that that last drive by UCLA certainly felt like the final drive by Washington in the um, 2018 Apple Cup and that snowball in Pullman where it was just like, we're going to run the ball right at you and it doesn't matter what you do because you can't stop it. And we're just going to keep running it down your throat and running it down your throat until basically you say, uncle, and the game's over and we can take a knee. Well, when you've got two defensive backs like Washington has, I mean, teams aren't going to throw against you and you've got to be able to stop the run. And Washington hasn't been able to stop the run they all season. Can't. Yeah. They just I mean, can't stop it. They, they, they had their moments. Well, what was interesting, guys, yeah. is that the last two games before this one, they started out in their kind of their jumbo or three. their three defensive linemen. They didn't... To they my didn't, understanding, I didn't see any I never saw sustain. Once. They may have done it near the goal line. Mm-hmm. They may have one or two plays here and there, but they never did any sustained three defensive linemen, Kim. They did they went and all I don't nickel get base. It. I don't get it. Yeah, they went all nickel base. And you know, and maybe that was done to try to keep Dorian Thompson Robinson maybe in check a little bit, but that didn't work either. I, I like I said, you know, like you said, I mean they're running up and down the field. I mean UCLA had 40 carries for 237 yards. They averaged 5.9 yards a carry. They and threw then, the ball. They threw but, the ball way more than I anticipated. But Washington. But, you're saying, but they're running the ball like that, and Washington's still running base nickel. Okay, but hold on. How many, Dorian Thompson Robinson had 87 yards rushing. Okay, throw out his. And granted, Zach Charbonnet had a really good night. He, he rushed for 100 and what 133 yards, whatever it was. Yeah. But there were times when Washington was able to get in the backfield and cause problems for them. There was times when they were okay, able well, to well, get well, stops. They had zero sacks, zero tackles. You don't have to for, have sacks. Zero tackles for wrong. loss. That's, it. That's wrong. They had at least three. They had at least three. I, I wrote them down. I Cooper, Ma- Cooper McDonald and Asa Turner each had a tackle for loss. But, Kim, your point is taken. I get it. They're not spending enough time in the backfield. But they are. it, it isn't like... They were gashed all game long. There was the 90-yard drive, and what there was the 75-yard drive. Yeah, ironically enough, when they had when they had shorter drives, I mean, they weren't able to do as much. But it was those scoring drives where basically it was their three or four longest drives yeah. of the entire game. So when Washington forced them to go long fields, they mm-hmm. went long fields. They were comfortable doing that, and well, that's the, kind well, of backwards with what you would want. Well, the crazy stat you look at it, and you just you have to look at it two or three times. UCLA was only three of 12 on. Third, I know. Third down conversion. I know. Three of 12. And Washington was 9 that of 14. That means they were converting a lot on second down. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Washington was 9 of 14 on third down. But. but what you're saying, Kim, is that Washington was able to force that. I don't know what they were on fourth down. They were at least one of one on one fourth down because of the, the bull crap uh, touchdown call. I, I still, yeah. that still ticks me off. But we'll talk about that in a second. But. Other than that, you know, I mean, Washington forced them to punt several times or, or to have a good yeah. – I don't know. It, I, I don't think this team is as bad – looks – they're not playing as well as they should, obviously, but I think this team is a lot closer to getting some of they, these wins. You, they could have beat – they could beat Montana. And Oregon State. And <laughs> well, UCLA. They to go, won to go to your, third, your point about the third downs, Kim – you know, when Washington's 9 of 14, that's great. It's good to have that kind of conversion rate. But when you have 14 third downs that you're trying to convert, that's too many. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're putting yourself 
in a in a position where you're having to convert at a high well, level Chris, you all the time. It makes it very difficult to be that efficient when you're trying to run offense. I mentioned it to you, and you you kind of said, oh, "Yeah, I get what you're saying." When we were talking about, it looked like Sean McGrew was going for five, six, seven yards, and yeah. he ends up with like three and a half or four. Yeah, it, it definitely it, feels like they're not getting as much out of their offense as, it, as, as they could. And, and it looks, yeah. it looks like they're getting. And so Washington faced a lot of third and twos. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have any answers. I don't know why the coaches are calling some of the plays they are. I don't know why they're not, they're not putting in jumbo sets more. Obviously, they know more about football than I do. So, schematically, sure. But is it, is it me or is first down just pretty predictable? Hand off to Sean McGrew between the tackles. Mm, I don't. I don't think it was that tonight. They threw the ball a lot. It seemed a little predictable maybe early on, but I thought they yeah. definitely mixed the runs up a lot in the second half and got a little bit better that way. But again, when you're asking your quarterback to be really efficient in those third down situations. And he's also negative in the in the turnover battle. Yeah, um, these are things that are really going to affect you Those in, in small in in games where small margins, you know, make all the difference in the world. And the bottom line is not to go too far into that fourth down play, Scott. But that essentially is the difference in the game. Yeah. I mean, right now it's seventeen seventeen. If that play is stopped when we assume it is, when the line judges come in and should have blown the whistle, and should have and blown yeah. the whistle. But you know, who knows? Well. At the end of the day, you're not going to win football games if you're only scoring 17 points. And if you're only scoring 17 points, it means your defense is out on the field too much. And, you know, this offense, like the offensive line, I, I put a lot of blame on the offensive line. I put a lot of blame on Dylan Morris. I don't know how much blame you can really put on the running backs. There's just not that much room. Dylan Morris threw two picks. The one he was getting blasted in the face, so that probably impacted that. But... Um, yeah, he got his arm got hit vision, on that first yeah, one. Vision is weird with the running backs this year, and I don't necessarily yeah. understand. Now, whether it was guys like like you know Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed were just that good with their eyes, I don't know. But there's a lot of piles that these guys are running into when we're saying, look, just look a, lar- a yard to your right or you're a, lar- a yard a to gap, your left, a gap to the right. And, and right, I, yeah. we finally saw like Kamar did have a like a couple clear backside runs that that felt like okay, they're they're actually starting to anticipate these things and they're starting to kind of get some things done in that way but let's also you know i'm not going to gloss it over ucla's run defense i mean number one in the league right if going into this game yeah 92 yards. so it, it really was strength against weakness i mean washington was really finding an uphill slog because if you do take the stats into account going into the game kim it's Washington's weakest point of their offense going up against UCLA's strongest part of their and, defense. And UCLA's defense is not And great. if you take away the 25-yard snap over the head yeah, loss, exactly. yeah. Washington actually finished with a – it's not great. Right. But they finished with, I think, 102 yards or 103 yards rushing. And that actually would have been more than UCLA allows. So Dylan Morris, 20 of 30, 185, 184 yards, one touchdown. Um Two interceptions. I'm not going to blame him for one of them, but uh, his deep balls were underthrown. And I know a lot of people want to change quarterbacks, and they have for a while now. And I've been firmly against that because I didn't think Sam Heward was ready. We're halfway through the season. He was here in spring ball. Um, I'm not as opposed to it right now as I have been in the well, past. I just I don't I don't think it really matters at this point. I think you know my my feeling on it is, I, and I'm going to try to write a little bit about this um, for tomorrow. I just get this, you know, when we saw, I'm not, I don't want to jump too far ahead, Kim. I know that's taboo, but 
you saw the impact at Zion Tupola Fatu. Absolutely. Just instant impact. What I'm feeling is is that this offense needs a charge. They just need something fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think right now Dylan Morris would really benefit from just getting a chance to just look at things from a different perspective. I don't really I don't think it really matters if it's Patrick O'Brien or Sam Heward. Whoever they think gives them the best opportunity to win the game, put them in. Because right now it's clear that 17 points a game is not going to win you a lot of games. Now, Washington's defense is going to keep you in games. But they should not be asked to win those games, especially when it feels like they just cannot get the ball back, which is, is a big problem in and of itself. Yeah, and I mean, if I could just do anything, you know, putting Sam back there and, you know, putting him in shotgun and let him throw the ball 40 times a game, you know, and that's not asking a lot. But, you know, just let him, you know, with this offense not designed to do that. Well, that's why it would be asking a lot. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're basically trying to put the proverbial round peg in the square hole because that's not what Jimmy Lake wants, and that's not what John Donovan designed for what Jimmy Lake wanted. This, this, this team's had one good offensive game. One. Yeah. One. And that was against a terrible, terrible, probably the worst defense in the country. But other one than, of them, yeah. I mean, other than that, they just haven't been able to do anything. So, um, also, you know, thought they might get a little bit of spark in the running game with uh, MJ Alle starting over uh, Julius Bulow. That did you guys see if that really made a difference? Mm. Well, again, I think in the second half there were some things that they tried to do that were a little different. There were some counters. There were some some little delayed runs where they were able to take advantage of things, some things inside. But you saw the way that UCLA ran their their little kind of their little trap schemes and their little kind of I don't know what you want to call them their little flip handoffs to Casimir Allen and some of that stuff that was very original very unusual and clearly it was with the idea that the middle was open the middle was available the linebackers were not going to create much of a challenge or much of a defense in the middle of that of Washington's front. Whereas with, with UCLA, it was a much different ball game. It was You had to kind of go straight ahead against them because they were, they were a lot more, I don't know, just gap sound and just were, were playing things a lot tighter and understood that Washington wasn't really fast enough around the edges to really create that much of a problem. They, weren't, they might try to get around the edge, but they were never going to fully break loose. How often was Washington running into eight, eight in the box? Well, they, would, they were coming because, bottom line, you could tell that they would have maybe a little less of a front, but then all of a sudden they would, they would stem and move more to the middle and they'd bring another person in. At so least they would one, add, they would, they would add more into the box pre-snap, and they did that quite a bit. I think there was more six- and seven-man boxes and eight-man boxes, but... But they were all crashing in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it looked like they were playing like a two-gap nose, and then whatever linebackers were in the middle of their scheme. They were just playing either side of them, and they were playing like maybe a couple yards back, and they were pretty much like, we're going, we're going, we're going. Because really, Washington never tried to get much going in the middle of that, the kind of the intermediate zone they haven't in the passing year. game. They haven't all year. Well, and like I thought that's where I thought Kate Otten might be a pretty big factor tonight, and he caught three passes. It wasn't like he was a non-factor, but I really thought that they would play more into that and they would try to use more of those five to eight yard routes in the middle to try to you know keep those guys from cheating, but they didn't. I mean, those guys in the middle they were pretty much geared 
towards playing those gaps and playing them pretty aggressively. Scott, you played wide receiver. This team does not, they don't attack the middle of the field in the passing game. They mm-hmm. just don't. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why they choose not to. Maybe it's because Dylan's short and they don't feel like he can throw it over the middle very well and not or see very well. I don't know what it is. I don't. I have no idea why he he does not throw over the middle. One thing I will say honestly about Dylan Morris, and and I I felt like this was a positive tonight. Every situation where he decided to go deep, he found one on one situations. He wasn't thrown into double coverage, triple covers like he has in the past. So I feel like he is progressing in terms of reading what the defense is trying to give him and trying to take some one-on-one shots, which is good if you can get your, your receiver in a position to try to catch a 50-50 ball. But like you said in the beginning, Kim, underthrown passes, underthrown. passes that would end up getting picked off. Um, and again, the first one wasn't necessarily his fault, but the second one was absolutely the one his Rome, fault. Rome and, to be, and to be fair, even the second one, it's like fight for the ball. Yeah, I mean, you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to get after that thing. If it's truly a true jump ball, fifty-fifty ball, you got to get after yeah, that. Dylan's got to put that more out front. Exactly. But, exactly. But McMillan can can help him a little bit and make a play. And then you had O'Dunsey on that back shoulder throw that yeah. Dylan threw that he plays the ball horribly in the air. Now, granted. Later in that drop, that didn't hurt them because right. they ended up scoring. But the frankly, touchdown. there's some judgment calls on there with some pass interference and some mm-hmm. holes and some other things where I think Washington actually kind of got the benefit of the doubt a couple well, times. Well, that one PI. There was one PI in the second half where it certainly looked maybe he got bumped him. a little bit, but boy, it, it looked soft to me. It just it was kind of like a a makeup call or something. But uh, yeah, I think overall, you know, Dylan was making the right reads. But the, you know, but you can't just make the right reads. You've got to make the right throw too. And it felt like he, there was only one throw down the field that he made that looked like it was supposed to be, like the way it was drawn up, and that was the one to Odunze for a touchdown. You guys had a lot better view than I did of the uh, fourth and one with UCLA on the goal line, and they took forever to call it a touchdown. And then, you know, in that kind of a play, the review's not going to show anything. No. Yeah, it's like, a rug- well, it's like a rugby scrum. It's, and, and what happens is typically when those line judges come in from the side, that's like basically the end of the play. And they're doing that to try to protect the quarterback. Or the ball carrier. Or the ball yeah, carrier. Yeah, so yeah. what I didn't understand was that Jeremiah Martin had cotton cotton behind the play. And typically when you're behind the play like that, we've seen that all the time, where their job is to like try to wrap up the ball carrier and literally just hoist them the other way. And he literally just tried to grab once, kind of caught nothing, kind of caught maybe half a jersey and lost grip, and then just kind of stood there. And I don't know what he was doing, but then it was like, I think he just assumed the play was dead because it was, it was, it was a good standstill for like a second, two seconds, three seconds. And then slowly but surely... And I think we were talking to Brandon Huffman. Did he say Britton Brown, I think, was the one that yeah, maybe got, got, kind of got the push, like the little bush push? Um, and that's apparently what it was. But you're right, Kim. Anytime you have a 50-50 situation like that, whatever is called on the field is going to stand. It's going to stand. But, but, I mean, that's the, just the way the, it the is. How, how far after the, that did I didn't. I never saw him signal touchdown. How long was I it? I never saw oh, him. It, actually was, it, was, a good, it was, was a good 15 was, seconds. Yeah, but the thing is, I will go to my grave. That ball should have been called dead at the one yard line. I mean, he was stuck. He was completely stuck. Completely. I had posted it, like while the play was still going. Like I just assumed. I mean, typically, I'd say nine times out of ten, nothing was moving. Yeah, nine times out of ten, 
you hear whistles yeah. like three seconds after that play starts, mm-hmm. and it's just stuffed. He said it's basically a wall. And then slowly, that's why I said it, it felt like it ended up kind of morphing into a rugby play where it was like a scrum and they just kind of, I guess the officials just kind of let them go after it a little bit more. And, and you knew it when it went to replay. It was, I mean, you knew right, because you it's, well, it's, it's never just a, went to replay. That's the problem. Well, no, it did, but it it's did. a pig pile. I mean, it, bottom line is in those situations. They didn't the, blow it dead to the, go look but, at the replay. But the pact, well, they didn't have to because they were waiting for the extra point, but that gave them some time. And yeah, we know yeah. touchdowns are always reviewed. Okay. Always okay. reviewed. But it didn't matter because their their whole um, their whole thing with the review process on that is they're just going to say, we just let it stand because we can't make a clear but and if, obvious but determination. If they, if they had called it not a touchdown, the replay wouldn't have Exactly. They would have done the same thing. So it would not have been a touchdown. If they whatever rules ruled on the field in those type of situations yeah. stands like a hundred percent of the time, I can't can't possibly imagine where there would have been a scenario I'll still where that go to changes. My, I'll still go to my grave. That play should have been blown dead, and Washington should have had the ball at the half yard line. Now, who knows if Washington goes on and scores? Oh or yeah, whatever, but or again, if we're talking yeah. now, we're talking this game may go into overtime. Yeah, but I will. And again, do I really feel like that changed the game? At that moment, it felt really big, but really the way that the way that UCLA ran the ball at that final drive because we got to remember after the interception, even though his momentum carried him into the end zone, they started that drive at the four yard line, yeah, and it looked like nothing was going to stop them. They just could kept like the the third down play that basically salted away the DTR run around the end. We were talking about Cooper McDonald. He 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 played that perfectly technique wise. He just doesn't have the athleticism to get after an athlete like DTR. DTR is going to out-athlete most guys in the Pac-12 on that play, and it doesn't take much. It just takes a half yard, and he's going to get what he needs, and the game's over. Safeties. Mm -hmm. UCLA's running the ball really well. Mm-hmm. Safeties are 15 yards deep. Nah, they they aren't though, because everybody that's where they start. But as Jimmy said in the press conference, they do rotate down. Now, I, Alex Cook made a lot of plays early on. Yeah. In some, he was in, on the line of scrimmage in a lot of situations. Asa Turner was making a lot of plays. He he had six tackles. I think Alex Cook had five. Yes, they're starting off 15 yards, but they're rotating down. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of movement pre-snap. Yeah. Scott, when you take a look at this defense. And then, I, I may catch you off guard here. Is this the same defense Pete Kwiatkowski was running? Yes, absolutely. What, yeah. What's different? I just well, no. what was different is they used the that. They had the well, no, but they would have the wrinkle where they would have gone to three defensive linemen at times. Like I said, they started well, that way but it, against Cal and against Oregon State, but they didn't. But run it's it not at just all. that. They had a generational defensive tackle in Vita Vea. They had a future pro defensive tackle in Greg Gaines who could eat up four and five blockers between the two of them well, again, and get penetration. And also, we don't want to gloss over ZTF's contribution in this game, even though it wasn't yeah. a lot. I think we said, what, 10, 10 snaps over under? That's probably... I think he may have been slightly under that. Yeah, like but, 8 or 9. But right. Yeah. But the bottom line is he, he definitely impacted DTR. I mean, every time he came to the game, he affected him. The first two times... For sure, he forced him into incompletions or, um, you know, forced him in a situation where he had to run maybe before he didn't want to, stopped him short. But, you know, DTR, I mean, they, they did last year. Washington ran with ZTF and he got seven sacks in three games. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that you cannot 
make up for that if you don't have a guy like ZTF in this lineup. I mean, you look at the rest of this lineup, and you mentioned it's it before, special. Kim. No sacks. No tackle. What was there? Three there was tackles. Three tackles, three tackles for loss. But but with but but they didn't do anything against DTR. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just ran wild when he wanted. To. I mean, he had they had a couple of those designed runs where basically it's just a lead off off tackle yeah. off guard lead, and he's got and he's got an offensive lineman that's running five yards ahead of him that literally had no one to block. Mm-hmm. I think the most shocking thing about this defense is their lack of turnovers. They're just not getting turnovers. Oh, that's it's yeah, it's and bad. some of that is because of the because they haven't. They haven't been able to stop the run, and like Jimmy has said, it's much easier to get an inter- force an interception than it is to force a fumble. But the other thing is too, especially when you don't have safeties that hit. Right now, they don't have that. And um, but the the big thing, it, think about it. Two of their the the win against Cal, they have the two interceptions from Kyler that stop drives, and and then they get the um, fumble, the forced fumble. And are those the only? I'm trying to think. No, that's right. The the Arkansas State game they had one, and, and in Oregon State they had one. But Washington, anytime they force fumbles, good things have ha- you know good things have happened. You want me to tell you what the cure for the defense is? By the way, the one thing that Washington could do that would make the defense play a lot better. What? The offense stay on the field a lot more. Yeah, that yeah. would help. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, they still had over 30 minutes of possession. Yeah. It wasn't like they weren't on the field a lot. Yeah. But they did limit themselves in a number of ways. And like I said before, going back to the beginning, they, you know, when you're 9 of 14, that's great. But when you have to put yourself in 14 third down situations, you're asking your offense to execute at a very high level, which this offense historically over the course of this season has not been able to do. It's been very, very difficult. So you can point that point to that as a silver lining, as something to uh, look for and encouragement to try to see how they improve against Arizona, for instance. But again, Arizona, I don't, you know, I don't know how their defense is going to be in in terms of whether they're any better or any worse than UCLA. But you know, I mean, right now you're you're grasping for basically any kind of straw that you can find because at this point. Scott, even though you said they're better than they were against, like, Montana, for instance, it certainly doesn't feel like they're light years better. Oh, no. They're not light years. I mean, they're not, they're, not, they're not to the point where they should all of a sudden go down to Arizona and just swamp them, even though Arizona hasn't won a game yet, and yet it still feels like... It's not wa- going to be an easy still, game. Yeah, it still feels like if Washington wins by 7 or 10, you know, it's like, yeah, that didn't... Feel anywhere close, you know, you're, you're still, it doesn't really matter, guys. Guys are still going to be calling for the heads of Donovan. They're still going to be calling right. for Sam Heward. They're still going to be calling for Jimmy Lake's head. It doesn't really matter. Washington could win at Arizona by five touchdowns, and it won't matter because they're just going to look at the record and go, well, they're owing whatever, and they should they should actually be crushing Arizona, which is not, it's, they're not, not the, wrong. That's not the position that yeah. Washington's in right They're now. not wrong, but that's the point. They're not in that position. Let's wrap this up. Final thoughts, Scott? Um, you know, I, I personally saw some positive things to take out of it. They, hot, they fought they, against a team that was better than them. I personally think UCLA is a better team than Washington. So um, Washington fought hard. They came back. They tied things up. They actually had a chance to go up and, and take the lead, and they had a chance to tie it up at the very end of the game. Um, you know, they've just got to figure out a way to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, 
you know, still, I thought it was a pretty good crowd. Um, I liked the atmosphere for a mid-October day. Beautiful weather. It was great to see all the fall colors. That's one of my favorite things. And that student, student section, section this great. year yeah. has been the best it's good. been in a long, yeah. long and, time. And, you know, the, the happy hour thing that they did to encourage people to get in, Chris and I were talking about it. It was huh. about uh, five minutes to kickoff time. And it was the crowd looked the exact same that it looked like well, every other. I'll be honest with you, they didn't promote it very well because I knew they were doing it, and then I went to find it out on Twitter, and I couldn't find it, so I yeah. texted a couple officials because you put it out on Twitter, and I still didn't see it. They so. better be doing it for Oregon. They didn't I promote you it. That. Well. They didn't promote it well. Yeah. yeah so no, that so. I mean, my my thing is, I think this team is closer than people want to give them credit for, but they are still not playing very well. Chris Fetters. Wrap it up. Yeah, no, I, I I echo the student section. It was great. Also, I wanted to find out too. Do you guys remember the last time we heard a go, uh, like legitimate Go Huskies chant? Been a while. That happened tonight twice, <laughs> which I thought was great. No, I thought it was great. Um, certainly, don't want to cap on the fans at all. I mean, the fans that did show up were loud, and they, you know, they did a nice job. And you know, it's it's so frustrating again because you go back to the idea of finishing. And this team is literally, they, they just need to finish. And if they can find a way to finish, they can win some games. But I'm telling you right now, guys, you know, they talk about DTR. You talk about Chance Nolan. You talk about Chase Garbers. You talk about these guys. You know, not only are they very athletic and they can run the ball really well, but you saw the difference that a talented but veteran quarterback can make on an offense. And there is no more veteran quarterback in the Pac-12 than Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I mean, he's been through the wars. I mean, you look at you look at Chip Kelly's record, and it's still bad at UCLA. He's still well under 500, and so Dorian Thompson Robinson has lost his share of games. But I'll tell you what, they're playing really, really well right now. UCLA. They've obviously got a great complement running the ball, and he can throw the ball a little bit. But when it comes to Washington, you know, I think people are they've got to come around to this idea that yeah, there's some talent here. But clearly the coaches are not getting anywhere close to what yeah. they need to out of them. Starts with the lines. The offensive line, defensive line. I think the defensive line is starting to show some things. But again, no, no Kwapehopa today because his foot was still in a boot. Yes. But you had some of the younger guys there. Um, I just I don't want to harp too much on the, on the homecoming national championship type, type thing. But, you know, the helmets and all that, I just I wasn't feeling it. I there's nothing about those helmets that told oh. me national championship well, team. Celebrating at all. that, but then the third quarter legend yeah, was from Jabari Issa, <laughs> which again I, I I looked at Scott and it was just shaking my head. So it just it feels like there's a lot of missteps that are going on with Washington football right now. It's because they're stepping all over themselves, and if they can just clean some of those things up, I think they've got a chance to do some things. And frankly. Getting healthy against Arizona is a start because they're going to be going up against a quarterback, whoever their quarterback is going to be. It's not going to be Chase Garbers. He's not going to be Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You know, it's going to be someone new. I don't know if it's a Cruz or whoever it's going to be. And they've got – defense has got a chance to get confident again, and I think that's really important. But it's going to start with them, and I think it really starts with that offensive line. Whoever starts at quarterback, whether it's Morris, whether it's Sam Heward, whether it's Patrick O'Brien – that offensive line's got to set the tempo. They've got to set the pace for the running backs, and they've got to give the quarterback room to operate. It's just that simple. Yeah, it's um, 
kind of difficult just watching what's going on um, because the way the team is playing here right now and us talking to Jimmy Lake, I'm not sure that he has the answers on what it's going to take. You know, we talked, you know, listening to Rick Neuheisel when uh, Cody Pickett went, it wasn't, was it Cody Pickett who went down and Marcus Tuyasosopo had to come back in? No, who went no. down? Who's the quarterback that Brock went? Brock Hewitt. Brock went down and. Are you talking okay. under New Heisel? No, when they had to bring um, Marcus Tuyasosopo in with um, Pat Conniff and change the entire offense midseason and start running the option. Mm-hmm. You know, and where they totally changed the offense. And, you know, I don't know that this coaching staff is wired to change an entire offense, which is something it needs because the one that they currently have just isn't working. I think the best that this team can hope for right now is to maybe find some magic in a bottle. And that magic in a bottle may come against one of the worst teams in the country, against Arizona. You know, and if they can, you know, put it together and have some momentum going into Stanford and beat Stanford on the road, which is still asking a lot for this team. And, Stanford who lost to Washington State today. Yeah, then, you know, come back home for Oregon. But, you know, it's asking a lot for this team. You know, you're asking this team to do something they haven't done all year. So um, we'll see what happens, you know. Um, you know, we got press conference with Jimmy on Monday, and I'm guessing it's just going to be pretty much the same coach speak and not saying a whole lot because, like I said, I'm not sure he well, has a lot of answers. You could tell. when some, They asked him directly about the quarterback. They asked him directly if he, if he feels they've got the staff in place. The, his answers – kind of belie, at least to me, Kim, the fact that he doesn't want to hear the questions. He doesn't want to hear it because no. he already knows what the what the questions are going to be. He already knows that they're up against it that way. And so he doesn't want to answer the questions because, you know, he's got the same questions himself. I mean, he has to. I mean, there's just no – he can't be that disconnected. And if he is that disconnected, then he's going to go down with the ship like it, you know, like the rest of his staff will. Yeah. Hey, Scott, real quick. Uh, any surprises on the sideline? There was a UCLA commit on the sidelines. There was? Yes. DeAndre Gill? Yeah. Oh, DeAndre Gill, that's right. Um, and a Washington State commit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Hudson Cedarland, the linebacker from uh, Gig Harbor. Um, and there was another kid who's committed to a Power 5 school that we aren't mentioning right now. So... Well, okay, so but they, I don't even know who that yeah, is. They are making. He, he was up for an unofficial visit on his own dime, and as soon as we get and let you guys know, we will do that. But uh, there was at least one more. Okay. So. All right. Well, uh, but yeah, there there were there were some talented kids. Or a lot of twenty twenty three kids, or a couple twenty twenty four kids. Jason Brown, Jason, Jason Brown, was, Brown there. was there. Some of the some of the U Dub commits like Ryan Otten was here. Uh, Denzel Boston was here. Jeremy Bernard. Jeremy Bernard was here. So that was good. Yeah. A lot, lot of lot of players on the sidelines. They're expecting another big group for uh, Oregon in a couple weeks. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. So um, just a reminder, if you want uh, those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletters. We'll go ahead and get you hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>